0: Hi, and welcome to Pastor Christian Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy today's message, that it will both challenge and inspire you. Today, I just want to remind us of some fundamental basic truths that you will all know, in the hope, and I'll be up front, in the hope that I can generate some prayer. Not some prayer. So I can generate some more prayer. So we can generate some more intense prayer. So I'm going to take you through a few verses, and and believe me, there are plenty to back this up, but I just, for time's sake, because I want to spend a lot of time in prayer this morning, for time's sake, I'm I'm just picking on the basics, okay? And so uh, you'll know these, but please uh, follow these through, and, and then we'll have a discussion about what these things mean. So I'm starting with Ephesians 4, and I'm going to read verses 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which part which every part does it share causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So, so here's the thing, um, we are more than just a group of people who get together once a week to encourage each other and to care for each other and and hopefully to be a part of the Great Commission, to fulfil our responsibilities. And, and you know, if that was, an, if that was it all, that would be great because I think we're doing that fairly well. There's always room for improvement, but I think we're doing that. But we are so much more than just a group that are connected uh, together by a, a weekly or a uh, bi-weekly or even for some bi-monthly meeting, the deal is... The deal is there is an incredible connection that links us and and we have to realise that. So while it's great that we gather together and that we encourage and that we care for each other in so many different forms, it's, shown, it's, it's While it's great that we do that, while it's great that we are committed to the Great Commission and, and have the enthusiasm... To have a go at the opportunities presented to us, well, well, that is great. We've got to understand there's so much more to this than just us being together. And it says it there, and I don't want to go too deeply into this, but every part, doing its share, strengthens and builds up the church in love. There's a connection to us. There's an influence or a power on our connection, on our responsibility in that connection. That we, we don't often, we, we probably are aware of it and know it, but it's not often that we think about it or express it deliberately and intentionally. But there's this incredible power in the connection that we have. In 1 Corinthians 12, I'm going to read from verse 20 to 26. It says this. But now indeed there are many members yet one body and the eye cannot say to the hand I have no need of you nor again the head to the feet I have no need of you No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary and those members of the body which we think are to be less honourable, on these we bestow greater honour and on, on and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given greater honour to the parts that lack it, that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. Or if one member is honoured all the members rejoice with it. Now, now that's not just because we're um, emotionally connected and feel sad when something goes bad for one another or we get happy when something goes good for another. No, no, it's deeper than that. It's more powerful that there is an actual influence that flows through the connection where when one people, one part of the body is suffering, we're all suffering. Now, Now, we don't see it as much because we especially in the west we distance ourselves a bit or don't like to think too hardly on the connection i have with each other here but but as he, as paul says there, there there's some of us that don't seem like much but they're vitally important he says and there's others that seem to be much grander but they need the others as well that there, there's this spiritual connection that when it's not going well for you it's actually not going for well for me either It's not that I feel sorry for you, I empathize. No, it's literally, if if there's something not going wrong right in your family, the church feels it and there's something not wrong going right in the church family as well. Are you getting this? Because this is incredible. This is a truth. When somebody does well in, and, and that's been the emphasis for, in this church for many years now. The aim is to bring everybody to a better place in God, a better place in life so that we all prosper in the full sense of the word prosper, that we all do better, that we can grow. And This has been in place for many years in the motivation but it literally means when someone does good, we all benefit from that. But when someone's struggling... We all find that, find that pain. We all feel the suffering of that. And it's obvious. When church is going good, most of the families in the church are going good. But when the families in the church are struggling, then the church is struggling. Now, now we are aware of certain needs because people ask for prayer and people talk about the, the situation. But even when they don't, and many don't, privacy I suppose, I hope it's not pride, but privacy. When many, many don't ask for prayer, but you can tell the health of the families of the church by the health of the church. Am I making sense? What I'm trying to emphasise is the connection. It's more than just being related, which we are through Christ. But there's a oneness. that We're literally a body, so one part... You know, you stub your big toe, mate, your whole body feels it, doesn't it? You, yeah, that's because the rest of your foot is numb anyway. But the deal is, you know what it's like when, when you wake up in the middle of the night and you got to go to the loo, uh, but you don't want to wake everybody up, so you become the, the ninja in the night and you think you're secretly and then all of a sudden your toe hits the, hits the foot of the bed, and everybody else feels it. Well, it's, it's literally the same. If there's a marriage struggling, or marriages are struggling in the church, it's felt. Because it's a connection. If someone's not doing well financially in the church, it's felt. Literally, because you know you don't if you want to gauge the health of the church, you look at the uh, types and offerings and And even though we know situations have changed and some people are doing it tough, uh, the deal is this: I know families are doing it harder now because I've looked at the financial report of our church. Our church was for many years a very generous church. You, Jane and I have nothing to do with the finances, but we do look at the monthly report, right? And, and we often pray for the blessings of people, not for the blessings, the finances to flow into the church, but the, for the blessings on all the families. But when that happens, the church is doing really well because our people are generous. So if the offerings, if the, if the finances don't look healthy... It's not because, you know, we need to do a stirring message to get, motivate the people to give. We need to pray because the families of our churches are suffering. Does that, does that make sense? All I'm trying to do here is to show you and to help you realise the connection that we have is far greater than just being empathetic for each other. <clears throat> if one member suffers all the members suffered with it. Or if one member is honoured, all the members rejoice with it. Such is the connection that what affects one family affects us all. If the church itself isn't doing well, if there's problems in the church, then it affects, it flows through and has influenced and affects the families of the church and vice versa. It's a two-way street because of the connection. If the families are battling, the church is battling. If the church is battling for some reason, then the families are battling. It's the connection. We are, it's that old thing. It's not the building. We are the church. and, and, And we are a body. All different members. Praise God. Thank God for that. All different members different responsibility, different functions. But the deal is we're all part, we're all connected. We're, we're all what makes the body healthy. And if one part of that body isn't working properly, it affects the whole body. You going, why am I talking like that? Let, let me remind you, uh, the things we suffer, because that's the word that was used in Corinthians. If one member suffers, all the members suffer. Let me remind you a little bit about our suffering. Um, Things that some of us are discovering. Uh, Some of the things we suffer are natural. Age, injury, illness. It brings a physical suffering, right? I I think I'm learning that more than anyone, I think, at the moment. Uh, But it's true. It does catch up to you and eventually... Well, you think you've got away with something when you're younger, you start to pay for it when you're older. There's aches and pains. Nobody knows what I'm talking about today. <laughs> it's, it's, we pay a price, right? So, so age itself, there's things that we suffer are natural. Age, injury or, or illness. Some of the things we suffer are consequences of our own poor decisions and, and we all know about that one. Um, big regrets. But but we suffer because the consequences of our own poor decisions. Some of the things we suffer are the results of others, and we suffer from their misdemeanors. Don't we? We all done that. We all pay that price. And some, uh, because there's four, I'll put it down to four. There's some of our sufferings are purely spiritual. We're under attack. Right? Would you agree with me? that four areas of our suffering. Uh, and, and each one has a different degree, I know, for and can be reflected in many different uh, scenarios. But I want us to remember right now the Ephesians, uh, Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh or blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now, uh, not long before that, in Ephesians 4:27, we have this word, and 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 I've I've taken it out of the context because there's a principle in it. In, in Ephesians 4:27, says, "Nor give place to the devil." That word uh, "give place" actually refers to opportunity. Don't give the devil opportunities, right? Because he'll take them. Now, I want to suggest to you that what we've got from uh, Ephesians six. Twelve, where the enemies take opportunity in all of those are the four areas. It might be natural, but the enemy will see an opportunity and use it against us. It, it, it might just be, uh, it, it might be family. It might be something somebody else has done. But the enemy will take that opportunity to try and bring division, or try to spoil, or prevent things. You hear what I'm saying? So all those are the four reasons. And the fourth one is spiritual, and out-and-out attack. But the deal is the enemy, according to the revelation of Ephesians, will see that and use it as an opportunity to bring harm, to cause suffering, usually to prevent you getting closer to God and fulfilling his will. Usually the enemy doesn't bother with you if you're not concerned at all about God or his kingdom. But when you start showing some interest in God and his kingdom and you start seeing people rescued from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light and added to the kingdom, then the enemy gets really agitated, right? But he will use, and I'm just reminding you of this stuff, you've probably read and heard this stuff before, I'm just reminding you of how this stuff works. But there's a connection. If you're in a battle in the past, I might not have been aware of it and might have been thinking I'm doing all right and go on my own merry way. But the truth is through the power of the connection, as that connection goes, you're in a battle. I'm starting to feel the consequences of that battle. That That's the depth and the power of this great connection. So... Um, sp- What we've got here suggestions that the principalities, powers, rules of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places take advantage of these four areas of our suffering. Now, I don't want us to get all negative and fearful uh, because in in 1 John 4, 4 we read, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Right? So when there's a battle going on, we need to get involved. We need to become aware and we need to get involved. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 12 reads like this. And I could have used the whole chapter, but just this verse. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And a three-fold cord is not easily broken. Here's the deal with that. Obviously, this is uh, Solomon, and, and the emphasis could quite easily be me as an individual. It could be us as a married couple. And then we include God in that. And that, us three together, not easily overcome. But the context goes larger than that. It could be... You and your family, the church and father together are not easily overcome. What I'm suggesting is there one suffering we all suffer where we need to come together because together we can overcome. So sometimes we have to swallow our pride, humble ourselves and let people know. I'm telling you, the testimonies that are flowing in from unbelievers, unchurch people, who know that this church and the prayer team of this church has been praying and and literally say thank you. We don't understand or know what you're doing, but keep doing it because it's working. Then kind of they're coming in and they're coming in thick and fast. Even my dear friend who passed away, uh last week his family even in their I suppose shock in their sadness expressed great thanks to the church they said we want you to thank the church because the prayer helped so here's the deal the man never suffered he was probably even oblivious to what was going on until all of a sudden he was standing face to face with Jesus And they and don't know how long this has been going on, but it, the evidence of it was only there for the last few days. His, his speech got quiet. Slower, slowed down. Next thing, he can't remember names. He couldn't remember his wife. Then all of a sudden, they recognised what was happening, got sent to palliative care, he fell asleep, and he didn't wake up. But they are so grateful because they see the hand of God's mercy and grace in every part of it. Just the timing of it, just where it happened, when it happened, how it happened. Everything was just, any other way it could have been incredibly messy and disturbing, upsetting. But the way everything happened was just comforting to them. The husband, the father, the grandfather never suffered. And they had time. They were given just the right enough time for all of them to connect, to say their goodbyes, to express their love in a dignified manner. They they are just so grateful, but they recognise that God did that for them in his mercy and grace, and they said a big thank you to this church for the prayers that were sent up. We, We often don't understand how things work or why things work, but all we know is we look back and we see the hand of God moving. God is so good to us. What I'm doing is I'm trying to stress the importance of the, and the power and the strength of the connection, but the importance that we recognize that. And if any of us are suffering, we need to come together and pray. Because if, if you're suffering, we'll be suffering. If, if you're doing really well and God's blessed you, then we celebrate. We celebrate with you because we're blessed as well. I, I don't know how it all works. All I know is that it works. I've been around long enough to see it working. The connection is so powerful. So we got that. Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him and a three-four threefold cord is not easily broken. Imagine. You and your family, the church and God, all woven together. Strong. My personal devotions have been in first and second Samuel just of late. And and I have been enjoying it. Uh, but I came across this verse the other day. And it was after all the dramas with Saul, he, he's finally killed in battle. And and so is Jonathan, and, but Jonathan should never have been there. Uh, anyway, that's a different sermon because he pledged allegiance to David and said, "You will be my king, and I'll be I'll be by your side, and I will serve you." But he was with his dad, and and he got killed in a battle that they shouldn't have been fighting. But but here's the deal: it gets to the place where he's anointed king of Judah, and then he's he's raised up to be anointed king of the United Tribes of Israel. Uh, by every tribe. And and this is what it says in 2nd Samuel 5:17. Listen to this. Now when the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king of Israel, all the Philistines went up to search for David, and David heard of it and went down to the stronghold. Here's the picture. The enemy heard that David had been anointed and able. And not only was he anointed and enabled, he was actually actively advancing the king not just defending but advancing the kingdom and prospering the kingdom but the Philistines, the enemy as soon as they heard that they, they were going up there to try and prevent it they were going up there to try and discredit it so david went to the stronghold where he, he went to a place where he could pray and strategize and plan and and this is what david often did he, he was a brilliant strategician but he would go and say Before he did anything, he would go, hey, Father, should I go up against these? And God would say, yes, go. Or he'd say, don't go straight up, go around the side or go around the back. Or split, you know, God would give him instructions. So he went down to seek God. What should be his response? But we need to realise that when the devil, when the enemy knows that we're moving in our anointing, the first thing they do is try to rise up to prevent you and discredit you. And that's why many, many problems will come. Not, not so much when you're talking about it, but when you start to implement it. But here's, here's the thing too that I found interesting over the last, because God has really been speaking to us as a church for a little while and it's like, okay, his challenges is about faith. What happens next? We get seriously challenged in our faith. He challenges us about healing and believing for healing. What happens? We get sick. He challenges us about our, uh, our finances and giving and getting involved in greater commissions. What happens? The finances go down. He challenges us about our marriages. And so we pray about our marriages. What happens? Conflict breaks out. Why is that? What's God doing? God's not doing anything. James tells us that God doesn't tempt anyone. What's happening is the enemy knows that we've seen something and are going to deal with it and rise up to it. And he tries to stop it before we can get established in it. Can you see that? Do you know that? That's why it's so important for us to recognise the connection the, the depth, the power of this connection, and then literally, deliberately, intentionally allow that connection to be, and and therefore come together for prayer. You on your own with God, yeah, you could you could make it through. You are on your own in church and God, hmm. I, I hope you get. It. I know it's a bit different this morning, but this is so important. I still have on my heart very much to do the Hebrews thing, but this there's a couple of things that have been on my heart so much, especially um, we've been so blessed to have like, the last two weeks off, sort of. But you know what happens when you've got two weeks off and you've got time to think and you're walking down the beach? Thoughts come. I, I think you get out of it and you look back and you can see something more clearly or give opportunity of God to speak to you. And and there's some things that we need to change, and there's some things we need to deal with that we now realize because we got out and we just had a walk and we started to we could think clearly and see clearly. And and this is why I sort of interrupted the Hebrews thing, so because I needed to do this. Ephesians six. We could say, Well, what do we do then? Well, Ephesians 6, 14 to 20 says, well, you've got to stand. And when you've done all to stand, keep standing. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery dance of the wicked one, And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that it may speak boldly, as I ought to speak, that I might be... So here's the deal. When the testing and the trials come, when the opposition, the enemy attacks, we realise, wait a minute, we've spoken something out. We've made a public declaration. And because of that, now I've been trialled, I've been tested. I've, I've stirred up the enemy enough to come and try to prevent what I've publicly declared. What we as a church have publicly declared about our commitment to the Great Commission. About Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and While we publicly declared that and we've taken, the enemy has risen up and he's trying to discourage. So what do we say? We say, okay, from now on, let's not say nothing. Let's just not say anything. In fact, it might be safer if we just concentrate on what's going on within these walls. That's the temptation. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. But the opposite is required. That we declare it clearly and boldly. Our commitments, our intentions. And we step out. And we keep standing and keep standing. And we break through. Paul even said that at the end. I want you to keep praying, even though all this is happening, I want you to keep praying that I might continue boldly that we don't take a backward step, rather we take another step forward. You hear what I'm saying right now? In, in Matthew sixteen nineteen, Jesus says this. You know, it's after the whole thing, the revelation. Uh, just a wonderful part, but he turns to the guys and he said, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It's not about the way we speak, our declarations, the way we take our stand. And we must continue to take our stand boldly. Great is he that is in me. Right? How many times have we read and can we read in the New Testament about prayer, prayer, the power to change things, power to bind the enemy, to see breakthrough come, to see blessings where, where once the curse raised. Uh, how many times? I, I think it's time for us to pray. And I thank God for everybody. Jane has like so many people in a prayer chain, she can't send one text message, it overloads. So she has like three or four pages of names, four pages of names, just so that messages get sent. And, we're, and, and it's working. God is hearing and answering. And, and things are turning around for people. But, but I want us to go to a whole new message, even this day. This day uh, Sam, maybe you could come and help me right now. So even this day. And, and, and I want to continue it tonight. Tonight at six o'clock, I want to continue this kind of prayer. But I know families are suffering. Some have said it, some haven't. But it's obvious. Some families are suffering. Different kinds of areas. Different kinds of challenges, different battles. But they're suffering. And because they're suffering, we're suffering. I want to pray for families that are suffering. I want us to pray for families that are suffering. Some families the marriages, that suffering has brought... uh, brought pressure on marriages. Some people, are, it's a sickness, and the enemies use it to bring pressure and to prevent and stop things. For some, it's finances. I've already talked to different people who have who, confessed that they're struggling, but I don't need them to tell me. I could just look at the church financial report. I, w- I want to pray f- for people's finances, for breakthrough, especially that, because all the news of late is how everything's going to go broke and you're all going to struggle and you won't be able to afford anything from now on. So we've got to clam up, we've got to lock it up, we've got to... Yeah, I don't know if that's God's way, but we'll look at that later. But if, if families are struggling with finances, we need to pray. I'm not 100% sure how we should do this. But I know we should do it with faith. Knowing that God, who hears, will answer. He will give us the breakthrough. I know we should do it in worship, because worship says victory and thanksgiving. I might just get Jane up with me. And I know there's only a few of us today, which is another indication of some battles going on we're not aware of. And I want to pray. I want us to pray first I want to pray and I know this might be embarrassing and I don't mean to embarrass or manipulate anyone I I want to pray for marriages that are under pressure and it might be you or it might be someone you really care for and I'm not going to ask publicly but either you or you want to stand in place of someone who represents someone we want to pray and for each thing that comes to heart that I speak about, I'm going to ask Jane, Pastor Jane, to anoint. David was anointed. And David, God led David to victory. So if you would say, or someone you care for, you know their marriage is under pressure right now, would you stand so we can anoint you with oil? Now I I know I can guarantee that's not just one. But Jane, would you like to? We all should start we all should be focusing on Jesus and start praying right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, you instigated marriage. When you put two together, two together made them one. You even threatened, you even warned us. Let no one no one tried to separate what God's put together. And yet it's happening. So we pray. We pray for every marriage that's connected to our church right now. That through that connection right now, we'll reverse the flow and see blessings go to that marriage, spiritually right now. Going to the marriages where they need it, marriages where they're struggling, marriages where there's credible pressure. So much pressure, often financially, sometimes physically, often press, so much pressure that it can divide a marriage of people who really do love each other. So we pray right now against that. We pray that through these spiritual connections, we flow the blessings of God to every marriage right now where there's so much pressure, it's causing division and anger and, and, and savage arguments. Oh, Lord, a long, lonely nights, We pray right now in the name of Jesus for the blessings of God to flow through to every marriage under pressure right now. And we see the blessings of God relieving that pressure. We see the love of God flowing through so they can forgive each other. They forgive themselves and they can love properly. We see the pressure breaking so love can flow right through the marriage, right through the family. In Jesus' wonderful name. I want to pray for families that are under pressure financially. Again, if it's you or someone you know, would you like to stand? Someone you connect, it's got to be someone you're connected with right now. Marriages, families that are under financial pressure. Hallelujah. Oh, Father, you are Abba. You are Father. You care for your children so deeply that one of your names is Provider. You are Provider. You are Provider. You're the way maker, the miracle worker especially right now in the area of financial problems, pressures, your blessings. I pray your financial blessings now on every family. Flow through the spiritual connections right now into every family, into every business, into every work situation and financially bless your people. That either work will come or increase. That you will bless them and give them favour. That you give them wisdom about budgets. Oh Lord, in the name of Jesus. I pray your financial blessings will flow now. Will flow now, oh God. Lord, in Jesus' wonderful name. You break the curse. Thank you, Lord. I, I just, right now, just really feeling that um, something that somebody else in the family did has as brought division and hurt and. and brought a real struggle within families so so it wasn't the person's fault and and it wasn't the consequences of their actions but somebody else is in the family is anybody identifying with that something that somebody else in the family's done has caused a lot of problems is anyone who wants to stand for that so father right now in the name of jesus undo this let grace flow right now let there be forgiveness right now but let let the tangled web be untangled right now right now in Jesus wonderful name that love can flow again forgiveness can flow that relationships can be healthy again that people will repent and forgive oh Lord undo this unravel this Lord in Jesus name hallelujah hallelujah One of the great curses that that's a real power has a real power hold in our society at the moment is a sense of despair and hopelessness. You know, I, th- I think I told the story. We was down at Riverlink a couple of weeks ago, and, and it just the look on people's faces was just so sad, And you could literally see it, sense of hopelessness. So if it's hopeless, who cares? Just give up, and I submit, surrender to stuff, and just accept stuff that shouldn't be accepted. Is is there anybody here who's either you or someone you care for, you're connected to, as is rat- battling and suffering under this sense of despair and a sense of hopelessness in a situation? Anybody? I'm just going to pray for that anyway so it'll flow through the spiritual connections. So Father, right now, I thank you that you love us so much and that you're aware of every situation, that there's nothing hidden from your sight. You know, you've allowed us to see, you've shown us the despair and hopelessness that's gripping, that spirit of despair and hopelessness that's gripping hearts and minds we bind it right now in Jesus name specifically we're thinking of people through our connection who are connected to this church who are gripped bound so tight with fear because of the hopelessness and the despair that comes with it that you will set them free and fill them with hope It comes every time we have a fresh, clean look at you. Every time we sense your presence, every time we get close. I, I pray that through these connections right now, that hope your presence would flow to them that need it most right now. In Jesus' name. There's, I believe there's a lot more work to be done And so tonight we'll start where we're leaving off right now. Tonight we'll come and we'll start to pray like this tonight. And then we're going to be changing our evening services uh, of late. And the four of us who come might be disappointed. Six. Six of us, sorry, who come might be disappointed. Because it's like a private sitting and great... Sermons we don't have to share with anybody else. Is that big noting myself? Anyway, anyway so um, we're thinking that we might take one Sunday night a month for a church prayer meeting. Uh, this is what we're thinking. We'll be confirmed, but I'm, we're so serious about this that we're thinking one Sunday night a month, starting at five, so people have got a chance to go home. You know, we'd work and school the next day and turn it into just a full-on old-fashioned them down Holy Ghost prayer meeting. So I want to pray right now and then we'll, we'll leave it right now and, uh, and we'll continue tonight. But I think we should thank God because I really believe he's already heard and answering our prayers. So Sam, if you could, uh, one worship song after I've prayed, one you've done already or whatever. Uh, you're, you're a guest I can't tell you what to do can I I can invite you to do it so, so Father right now I thank you for this morning and I thank you for the power that your word releases I thank you for the insight and the understanding and also the hope now of something better I pray your blessings your protection your provision on us and our loved ones And I pray that we will all continue to grow in the knowledge of our God, including an understanding in how you work in the spiritual dimensions and how we can move in them with you. So your blessings now upon us and our families. In Jesus' wonderful name I pray and everybody said, can we now worship God as a sign of thanksgiving for his goodness towards us? Thank you for listening to our podcast. We hope you were blessed with today's message. You can connect with us at pacifencrisionchurch.com.